We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Ryan, I feel like we were just here together. So obviously we did a show last night. We are back today with another edition of the podcast. And we're going to talk not specifically about Notre Dame today. We're going to talk more sort of big picture. And there's really two topics, Ryan, that we're going to dive into today. The first being this uh, new guidelines handed down by the NCAA in regards to name, image, and likeness. We're going to discuss that, and then we're going to get into just this notion of, um, you know, the transfer portal and things that need to be done, what I think needs to be done in regards to fixing the transfer portal. So that's going to be, that's going to be our topics of conversation today, Ryan. And, And I want to dive first into this NCAA guidelines it's not really a ruling it's not even new rules it's the rules were already there it's basically them saying hey we're gonna you know supposedly we're gonna you know start enforcing the rules and and providing more guidelines to what they are gonna do and I'm just gonna read you just briefly kind of something from what the NCAA released yesterday So they said, uh, here is from uh, one of the releases from yesterday. Today, the Division I Board of Directors took a significant first step to address some of the challenges and and improper behaviors that exist in the name, image, and likeness environment that may violate our long-established recruiting rules, while the NCAA may pursue the most outrageous violations that were clearly contrary to the interim policy adopted last summer, our focus is on the future. The new guidance establishes a common set of expectations for the Division I institutes moving forward, and the board expects all Division I institutions to follow our recruiting rules and operate within these reasonable expectations, said Jair Moorhead, president at the University of Georgia. I just found it, first of all, funny that an SEC school is the one, like, at the top of this, like, talking about, oh, we're going to, you know, these rules, I can't break these rules, right? I just find that hilarious. Well, they, they do everything by the book. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> and it goes on to say the board noted that the emphasis of this NIL guidance is on boosters in the recruiting process and is not intended 
to question the eligibility of prospective and enrolled student athletes involved in NIU deals. Only the most serious actions that clearly violate the previously published interim policy would have eligibility implications. The board adopted the interim guidance last summer with an understanding that they would consider further guidance as the name, image, and likeness environment developed. The additional guidance is appropriate now as there is better understanding about the impact on student athletes. Board members also urge schools to investigate, detect, and self-report violations and cooperate with the NCAA enforcement staff as they investigate. Board members acknowledge that the more, that more work must be done and ask the Division One Council to continue exploring additional measures to better ensure name, image, and likeness opportunities align with NCA values and protect the well-being of student athletes. Ryan, so that was their um, n- nonsense comment that was relayed yesterday. What is your first thoughts? I mean, my first thought is that, I mean. I think anytime there's a problem, it's good to admit that there's a problem, right? So I, I agree with what you kind of stated in your article, the sense of this is a step. It just seems like a very baby step, right? right. Like I, I think that they're they're trying to make it seem like they are definitely understanding and show that there is a We're need. We're aware of the problem. Exactly. And we may do something about it. At some point. Today is Maybe. not that day, though. Exactly. That's what they said. Like, we may – here is – I'm reading it again. While the NCAA may pursue the most outrageous violations, it's basically saying, hey, guys, knock it off. We <laughs> right. might have to do something about this. Like, that's basically what they're doing. Now that now that all the kids – now that all the transfers have happened, now they may get involved. Um, I, Ryan, first of all, I believe they were shamed into this, really. I mean, they were yeah. shamed into this where – you know, you, you saw what was happening. You saw kids going into the portal and it's been going on for a couple of years now, but kids going into the portal and within the, you know, a few hours of going in the portal, they're announcing where they're going to school. Like really that just right. happened. You've got this. And then when NIL kind of got involved, you see guys who's basically getting deals to come to the school. I mean, we saw what happened with Jordan Addison and we've, I've heard plenty of rumblings and rumors about schools reaching out to Michael Mayer. I know for a fact, a School down south that that we all have talked about a lot lately has certainly made attempts to reach out to Notre Dame players illegally. And uh, I think we all know what school I'm talking about there. And, of course, you know, we've seen what Alabama's done, USC is doing. USC's just flaunting it. I mean, USC's not even pretending to hide it. And that's because the NCAA basically did not did nothing about it. And I don't think that this ruling scares anybody, to be honest with you. Like, this whole, well, we're focused on the future. We're not going to do anything about what's, well, we may do something about what's happened. But, you know, really, this is about the future. Here's what we didn't see in any of those things, right? We didn't see in any of those things anything about what the punishments would be. Right. And until the NCAA steps up and says, here is what the punishments are, then that nothing's going to change. And they're going to have to come up with new punishments. Because a lot of this stuff is just, well, you're going to get... Uh, you know, you, you're going to get you're going to get a, a fine, a small fine. You're going to get on, put on probation. There's a lot of schools on probation that nothing actually happens. They're just on probation, meaning you can't do it again in the time that you're on probation. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we're talking with Sean Styers yesterday and, you know, we were having a conversation about this whole thing. And, you know, I've proposed some things that need to happen. Right. Like so if you are if you are caught in rules violations with the with the transfer portal, for example, and NIL enticements and such. You know, there should be a, a hefty fine la- levied on the school, right? Because money talks. So, like, I'm talking, like, at least seven figures. 
there needs to be a loss of scholarships, like five scholarships, right? You can't go beyond 80 or, you know, maybe even more depending on, you know, maybe eight, five the first time, 10 the second time, whatever. And then you need to do what I've talked about recently, which is, okay, if you get caught doing this, you also can't take any transfers the next three years. Oh, and, and Sean brought up the idea, and I, and, and I give him credit for this. Sean brought the idea, he goes, what about suspending coaches? You know, so if, if, if a program gets caught, and it doesn't have to be the coach if it's a booster, because that's the thing that you mentioned. This is geared towards the collectives and the boosters that are basically using using NIL to entice players to come. It's the Cardinal Tate. It's the Nico situation. It's the, you know, with high school kids. It's what's going on with Dante Moore right now. Yep. It's basically saying you can't do this. You can't be using NIL to to offer kids money to try to get them to go there. There was something I read in one of the one of the actual official releases where the NCAA said, like, you can't use this as an enticement to get a kid to a specific school or to keep a kid at a specific school. Right. So if a kid's going to transfer, you can't say, well, we're going to use these things to, you know, to to keep you here. Here's this deal. And they're trying to get supposedly trying to get back into the whole spirit of what NIL is supposed to be about. But you know, at the end of the day, Ryan, it, it's like it, that's all fine, fine and dandy, but what? Where's the teeth? You know, like if a coach has to get suspended, you know, third three games the first time it happens, six games the second time, and you're done for a year the third time, and your school's getting fined in the millions, and you are put on probation, and you can't use a transfer portal, you know, th- then maybe you might start seeing some some teeth put to this thing. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
I think I think the big thing for me is that there's no separation between there's no parameters around what really is NIL, right? Like we're not we don't have the direct understanding of it. So boosters and collectives are now taking the NIL conversation, right? And it's just becoming a free handout. That's not in in essence what name, image, and likeness money is, right? Like they're not making money off of your name, image, and likeness at that point. You're just getting money to come play football for a school. So I think the problem is, is that there's not- It's pay for play, Ryan. It's pay for play, 100%. Yeah, no, it's 100% what it is. So I I think that we have just blurred the line now of what NIL is and people are taking advantage of it because no one has ever said, nope, that's not what NIL is. This is what it is. And this is what you have to do about it. So now we're getting to a point where- the NCAA, and I do agree with what they're trying to do in an essence, right? It's you want to eliminate the booster involvement in everything because that's where right. things get really, really murky, right? You eliminate their involvement and things get less hairy. Like it gets right. it, it gets more defined at that point if that involvement is taken out of the equation. So I agree with that essence, but like you said, it's like I'm going to threaten you because of what you did in the past. And we can go back and revisit that stuff. But that's only if, if you, we under, but why would anybody listen to you until right. you understand exactly what that means? Or is right. there, like you said, is there vacated scholarships? Is there a right. fine? What is the punishment here? We, if we, until we know the punishment, there's no reason for people not to be a little sneaky behind the scenes. So I like the fact that like, Hey, you're calling out what the problem is. Sort the biggest of. issue. Yeah, well, to a degree, there's there's a, there's a lot of underlying issues with it, but a big problem is the booster involvement, obviously, and right. renaming what nil money really the collectives is. and all that. Exactly. Kind of stuff. I, I want to speak to this too because what this like so people have asked how does this impact the Notre Dame collective and the Notre Dame fund? Not at all, because this is not meant to stop nil. This is not meant to stop the like the fun thing that Notre Dame is doing because that is and Brady Quinn has said very clearly this will not be going to prospect to prospects this right. is going to go to kids who are at Notre Dame mm-hmm. and, and they've made it very clear we have no intention of using this to try to entice kids this is for students who are already here that's fine the NCAA says that's okay like that's part of the deal right but also as as Brady Quinn has pointed out and what other what this should be is is with the fun thing that Notre Dame is doing there is a given a take you're going to be you're not just going to say hey that's my favorite charity now give me a million and give them ten thousand you've got to go be you've got to go participate you've got to be out there you've got to be involved in this which a lot of Notre Dame players already are and that's how you're going to be able to go out and have an impact now I don't actually mind it being a situation where you know a a more well-known player gets more money that's part of what I believe to be sort of some free market principles that I'm okay with being involved in this process. Mm-hmm. But what you can't do is just hand kids money because that is not in the spirit of what they're not making money off their name, image, and likeness because name, image, and likeness means you're going to use my name, my image, or my likeness to somehow create revenue on your end as a company, as a booster, NCAA school, whatever. And we're going to pay you for that. That's what it's supposed to be. Not just, Hey, come play quarterback here, and here's two million dollars. Right. It, it's not supposed to be that at all, but that's what it turned into. And shocker, we knew that when this whole started. So when there people, somebody had said in, in the comment, like the NCAA was unprepared for this. If they were, then they are too stupid to be in the positions that they have, and they should mm-hmm. resign immediately. Like if you didn't see this coming, because we did, Ryan, you and I have talked about this. I talked about this over a year ago when the portal situation opened. I said this is going to become a free agency. 
you're going to have the top schools are going to steal from the worst schools. And that's exactly what's happened. Because why? Because the top schools have money. And the right. guys, the, the the organizations or the programs or people around those programs that have money are going to be able to take advantage of it. And at that mm-hmm. point, it's just poaching. It's not recruiting. It's not helping people. It is literally poaching. We talked about Tucker right. Craft last one, the South Dakota State <laughs> tight end. He could he could go to a big school and maybe he'd be a good player. It's possible. But there's also a chance that he comes and he becomes a third string tight end and he didn't make your program technically right. any money off of his name, image, and likeness, but you poached him from a smaller school for a, a, a right. check to be a depth piece right. to your roster. That right. is where the lines get awful because it's poaching at that point. Yeah. And that's what it's turned into. I mean, Jordan Addison, go, you can't tell me that Jordan Addison is doing this to better his career. He just won the Bolitnikoff Award. If he stayed at Pitt and had a similar year that he had last year, he's a first-round pick. The NFL, how many Pitt receivers have we seen be pretty highly picked guys, right? So it's not like you know yeah. he has to do this because it's better for Because like the kid from South Dakota State, mm-hmm. you can actually make a case that there's a benefit to him going from South Dakota State to uh, a Notre Dame as a number two mm-hmm. tight end with no, behind mm-hmm. Michael Mayer in Alabama, mm-hmm. right? Oklahoma, something like that, right? Sure. Although I would argue we've seen a lot of kids from that conference get picked pretty pretty high the last few years, right? But yeah. that's a different conversation for a different day. But you can make that case. Going from Pitt to USC is all about Jordan Addison getting paid. That's all it is. And not for his name, image, and likeness, just to help USC be a better football team. That's free agency. But the difference between that and what happens in the NFL is temp, temp, there are tampering rules in the NFL that are severe. You know this, Ryan. You follow the NFL closer than I do. There are severe tampering penalties that happen. And and so when you look at at what this has turned into, it, it's it's becoming a mess because here's the other thing. As schools are bidding putting money into get these top players, what's happening to the kids that are already at the school? Right? Like we talked about this last week. That's why I loved what that kid that basketball player from Miami did. They paid all this money, this slush fund that Miami has, paid all this money to get this Kansas State transfer. So that kid said, fine, you're not going to give me that kind of money. I'm already here. I'm already playing. I'm jumping in the portal, and I'm open for business. And I was like, man, he just shines, shines such a light, a bright light on how garbage this whole thing is that, you know, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Now, I, I don't think that was his motivations, right? I think it was more of just being mad that somebody else is making money and he wasn't, which I get it. It's going to happen more and more and more and more. You're going to be sitting there, and you're the starting quarterback at a, at a place, and the third-string kid, you know, like, I don't know, Ohio State last year, where their third-string quarterback who played zero snaps was a millionaire, and the two kids ahead of him that had already been there, already put in the work, C.J. Stroud goes out and does what he does, they're getting paid less money than this kid who who bypassed the senior year just so he could get paid. Right. What what kind of message are we teaching kids? I mean, it, it and what does he learn from that? Nothing. He missed out on his entire senior year. He missed his team, screwed his teammates over. Why? So he could make money, because apparently in America now, as long as you're making money, nothing else matters. No ethics, nothing else matters. And that's a horrible, horrible message that we're sending. And hey, you can you can. And again, I, I don't really feel bad for coaches as much, to be completely honest with you. Because, you know, where's where's the pit receivers coach from last year now? Where did he go? That's a good question. Texas. Is he yeah. in Texas now? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So he used building up Jordan Addison to mm-hmm. springboard him to a better job. 
help himself. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't feel bad for coaches, right? Because you're doing the same thing. Who I feel bad for is Keaton Slovis, who transferred sure. to Pitt to play with him. I feel bad for his teammates that were counting on Jordan Addison to say, hey, we got a shot to repeat as ACC champs this year. Instead, mm-hmm. you transfer to a team went four and freaking eight last year because you're going to get paid. Because as you said, it's not about the quality of the program. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a more broken version of Major League Baseball. Where it's like you can draft a guy and build him up and do all that stuff, and as soon as he becomes a high-priced free agent, wish him luck because you have no chance. And and that's just that's a system that's going to destroy the sport. It, it just is. And you know, people say, "Well, you know, the, the people aren't going to stop watching." Well, we've seen in the NFL that the NFL has performed some actions, right or wrong. The NFL has performed actions the last five years that have caused people to turn off the TV. Yep, and it's cost them money. And that's going to come to college football if this continues. And so, okay, so the SEC will be healthy, but the rest of college football is going to be losing you money. I mean, it's 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 embarrassing. It really is embarrassing. And so the whole point of this is <clears throat> that I do like about the release, Ryan, is it is geared – it's clearly geared towards boosters and, and different things being used as an enticement right. to get people there. I have no problem with boosters stepping up and saying, hey – we want to help out the kids that are here. So if I'm sure. Tom Mendoza or I'm, you know, any other like wealthy Notre Dame, you know, person. And I say, hey, look, you know, I, I I love this kid. You know, I love this Blake Fisher kid. And I would love for him to be, you know, on some ads for us. I would sure. love for him to, to do a speaking engagement. I would, you know, if WSBT, you know, they would always do this. WSBT, you always hear like, you know, it's Ian Book, New University Notre Dame quarterback. Well, he should get paid for that now. Right. And there's there's no reason, you know, don't do that for free. You know what I mean? Like those kind of things. But, you know, there's different aspects of this where I'm all for boosters being able to step up and help these kids out. As long as there's some sort of, you know, you come here and you got to do this kind of or you're here and we're going to help you do this kind of thing. So, uh, again, I'm a supporter of name, image and likeness. I am. The problem is that if if I part of me wonders if this, you know, Sometimes you say, you know, you, you can't give the NCAA too much credit because sometimes you start thinking there's this master plan and then the whole thing plays out and you realize, no, there's full crap. They're just incompetent. It's, there was no master plan. They're just incompetent. Part of me wonders if they just allowed this to go so that way it would look, it would, it would go terribly and then they could step in and be the savior. Like, see, this is the problem, which <laughs> is stupid because you, you know, you've already, you've ruined people's careers. I mean, you've screwed kids over, not, teammates over and all stuff like that. They better not they better not use this to impact eligibility to kids who have transferred that see uh, two, two reasons. One is that's when you set yourself up to lawsuits. I mean, that, yeah. that, that you start saying, well, you're not eligible. That's when you start kind of getting your, or, or you've got to pay back. Like that's what they've done in the past. The kids that have got caught, you got to pay this money back, right? You start doing stuff like that. That's where, that's where antitrust lawsuits are going to happen. And the NCAA has been losing most of those recently. But what you should do is to say, hey, look, we're going to give immunity to every player that's that this has happened from before. Now, moving forward, if you mm-hmm. do this, we are now making sure you understand the rules. If you do this moving forward, you will lose eligibility, right? You can't play. I'm sorry. But we're not going to do this to the, to the kids that have transferred. However, we're going to give immunity to any player that took money or was offered money if they want to come forward. Because that the, at the end of the day, Ryan, the, the NC has to enforce this stuff. But there's way too many coaches sitting on the sidelines afraid to speak up about what's happening because they don't want to be branded as narcs. 
not because they're worried about something happening to where they are now, but it will hurt their ability to move on somewhere else. Well, I can't turn in Alabama. I would actually like to work there someday. I can't narc on USC because I wouldn't mind working with that guy someday. I, I, you know, t- this other school's not going to hire me if they know that I'm a narc, right? So that's the sick part of this whole thing. It's like it's coaches aren't going to step up because they're afraid that if they if they narc, then that's going to hurt their opportunities for advancement, which is kind of disgusting. It's cowardly, to be completely honest with you. It's putting your, you know, your your lack of you know yourself and you know ahead of the game, which. I, I believe coaches are supposed to be the stewards of this great game. ADs and presidents, they're supposed to be the stewards of this great game because players are going to come and go, coaches are going to come and go, but it's it's with anything. Did you leave your mark on this game? Did you make this game better than when you found it? And the reality is there's a lot of coaches who are not doing that right now. And until coaches are are, are going to have the courage to say, this isn't right, what we're doing to this game and to young people is not right, and I care more about that than I care about keeping my mouth shut. So that way I'll have an opportunity to get get mine next year when I'm when I when I'm you know when I try to get a better coaching job. Right. And you know, they need to they need to talk to players like Zay Flowers, talk to players like Michael Mayer, like, hey, what happened here? What was this process? If for nothing else, to find out how these back channel things are happening. What are they doing? So that way, if you're not gonna crack down on what happened. And you're going to look towards the future. If you have these conversations with the Jordan Addison, with the Michael Mayer, with the Jameer Gibbs, with the Zay Flowers, get as much the kid from South Dakota State, who's yep. clearly not afraid to go on record with this is what's going on, you know, and say, look, if you're not going to do anything to those schools, you could at least have an idea of how the process is working. Mm-hmm. And then you can set up rules to say, if this happens, this is the punishment. And we know this is happening because we've talked to kids and we can't do anything about it retroactively but we're going to do something about it now. And if you do right. A, B, and C, and D, then this is what the consequences are going to be. And, and that's what they I, do. Yeah, I'm interested just to see if players do come out and kind of pull out these skeletons in, at some point, you know? Like, I'm, I'm very interested. Because like you said, I mean, my exposure is to Tucker Craft. Does, does he go over? And he named that there were several Power Five big con, uh, big conference schools that had reached out to him. Michael Mayer is open to it. Zay Flowers that you wrote the article about is open to the conversation. Will they be able to come forward or will they be comfortable to come forward and to name um, organizations? Because what I'm most curious about, Brian, and I would love your insight on this, your opinion anyway. I am curious if there is going to be some investigation back to because 10 months does not seem like a long time, right? And in the, the reality of it is 10 months is, is a very short amount of time, right? And that stuff passes quickly. But in that 10 months, how many improper benefits to pay for play has happened during that 10-month span? It's probably an almost incalculable type of number right, right now. So are, is the NCAA serious in the fact that like, hey, we messed up here. We let this go on for 10 months without any help, guidance, repercussions, anything, are they going to go back and say like, yes, we're actually going to follow through what we said, because if that happens, Ryan, if that happens, because like you said, right now, there's no repercussions. They didn't put down anything in the, in that, in that release that said, and for the next one, if this happens, this, this, and this is going to happen. But the one thing they can do is if they do go back and some of those investigations and they do lay down some penalties, then you can at least say like, Hey, we're serious about this. Right. Something is going to happen. If something happens, but my 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 worry is is that there's now too much 
things to kind of comb through. Too many things right. happened at this point, and I doubt the NCAA is going to be willing to go back and right find all those skeletons. Right now, what the, and that's what I think the the thing that I did take away from the statement that I thought made a lot of sense was, and, and this is what he said: we may we. Uh, while the NCAA may pursue the most outrageous violations, what I think that there's that to me, that was a shot to like USC and Alabama and Texas A&M. Like, look, you guys are, you got, it's, it's kind of like they're saying, do you guys have to be this stupid with it? Like, seriously, guys, if you just would, would not be idiots, we would, we would have left you alone. Now you've shamed us in the half. We have to do something now, you morons. If you just would have not been stupid about this and not so blatantly cheated, we would have left you alone like we've left the SEC alone for decades when it comes to paying players illegally as high school prospects. Enticing players with money is not new, right? And and it's going to continue no matter what they do. The, the whole point here, and, and this is something that bothers me, I've had people reach out and say, well, it's going to happen anyway. So? So just because people are going to do it anyway, you don't make rules? Just because someone's going to be an idiot and drive 90 on the interstate means you just get rid of the rules? No. You set your guidelines, and then you try to catch as many people as possible. And, and what you do is, Ryan, is they the NCAA has to do it, make a situation where there's enough rules in place and proven enforcement that it becomes harder and harder to cheat, but you're going to do it less. You'll, man, we need to get this one player. You know, we need to get these two players, but we're not going to bring in ten grad transfers. It's, you know, it's not going to be as blatant as what we've seen where kid enters the portal and he's made a decision within, a, you know, a day, and then you're like, okay, well, let's investigate that one, right? I mean, th- that's the thing is you're going to eliminate some of this more blatant cheating that's going on, or you're going to not, you're never going to get rid of it, but you at least limit it because right now it's just, it's just, it's free reign. And, and that can't happen. That cannot happen. And that has to change. And so until, like you said, they can go back and say, hey, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're, so what, where the tricky part comes is you can't set a rule. What I don't like is, and we see this in politics and law and other things. And I'm, I'm a huge, I'm, I'm hugely against this. You can't set a law and then retroactively and set new punishments and then ro- retroactively punish people in a way that they were not aware of that punishment capability when they did it. You can only punish them with what the rules were at the time that they were doing it, right? right? So if you can only, you know, sanction and you can only suspend and you can only remove some scholarships from schools who have cheated that for rules that already existed, then that's okay. They're going to get away with it to a degree. But moving forward from this day on, if you do this, you're going to lose scholarships. You're going to lose the transfer port, you know, access to the, like, so for example, you shouldn't be able to go to USC and say, if you set a rule to said. If you get caught doing this, you can't have access to the transfer portal for three years. I don't think it's right to retroactively go back and punish USC and Alabama for that. What's done is done to a certain degree because, you know, you should have done this at the beginning. But moving forward, if this happens again, this is what the punishments are. So I do think there is some of some of that that has yeah, because you start doing that, you open yourself up to to liability and, and lawsuits. And that's. That's I, the NCAA does have. They should not be afraid of lawsuits, because if you're on the right side of an issue, you need to be willing to fight for it, right? And that's just the reality of it. But if if you know that to me, I don't know if that puts you on the right side. You know, retroactively punishing kids in a way that they didn't know that that was a potential punishment when they did it. It doesn't make their actions less wrong, but I think that's going to be a little bit of a tougher sell for me moving forward. 
I just I'm I'm guess I'm just really disappointed with the NCAA, which is not a new thing. The fact that we I mean, I'm not a brilliant guy, right? Like I'm a very modest, intelligent person. And I could have told you from the start of this that there was going to be improper benefits in some way, right? Like it was a very easy thing to predict. The NCAA, the people that are at the top of the chain there are a lot smarter than I am. Like, let's call it what it is. Well, in theory, in theory, there are a lot. You'd hope so, but they're not. Right. <laughs> well, in theory, I think that I, I, I refuse to believe that they were so naive that they looked at this before it happened and said, "Eh, nothing bad's going to happen." Right. I refuse to believe that. No, they're not that stupid. Happened. Right. So, if you knew it was going to happen and you knew eventually you would have to take action, why weren't you more proactive with it? Right. I just don't understand. Because they were afraid you of knew being it was going to happen. They were afraid of being sued. They are cowards, and the only reason that they're stepping in now is because of the pressure that they're receiving from the outside with this whole Jordan Addison thing. You've got big names in the sport. You've got, you know, Hall of Famers like Aaron Taylor. And and, and props to Aaron Taylor and people like that. Danny Cannell speaking up about this. You've got coaches like Pat Narduzzi finally saying something about this, which then, you know, Scott Satterfield finally steps up and says something, which he should have spoken up sooner, you know, because the the Tyler Harrell, right, the receiver he had, joins the portal and it's just like everybody knew he was going to Alabama. You know, I've, I've right. said this before. I mean, the minute, the day he, you know, announced that he may join the portal, somebody reached out to me. And I was like, dude, he's going to Bama. And he wasn't even in the portal yet. You know, I, I've told the story about Jameer Gibbs. You know, I called somebody I know down in Georgia when it was announced that he was was in the portal. And because I, I knew a coach that was interested in, in him. And I said, hey, uh, what's the situation with him? And my buddy's like, oh, he's going to Bama. That's been determined for like a month now. And it's just like, okay. How, how, how's that determined? He's not in the portal yet. And we've been saying on this show for weeks that look, these, most of these big name kids don't jump in the portal with, okay, well, where am I going to go now? They, they kind of have an idea. It's not always like the kid uh, sat from Vanderbilt looked like he got in and then went through a recruiting process and then decided eventually, right? Some mm-hmm. of those kids do that, but most of these kids are jumping in the portal saying, okay, I, I know I'm going so-and-so cause I've been offered this already or at least I have enough offers from three or four schools because that's what it looks like with Jordan Addison. Mm-hmm. looks like Jordan Addison jumped in when he kind of felt like, okay, there's enough schools involved here that there's going to be a bit of a bidding war for me. Sure. And, and so, but it's still, it's, it's, you know, in order to now get in the process, get in the game, like somebody said, do you think Notre Dame should make a run at him? They, there's, there's no way mm-hmm. they, they can't afford. They're not, they're not going to pay him. They're not going to guarantee him millions of dollars to go there. Right. You're just not going to do it. And um, I'll be honest with you, if I was Lorenzo Styles and Braden Lindsay and Avery Davis and all those guys, I'd be pretty pissed off, right? Like this guy is just going to walk in here and, you know, you're going to pay him millions of dollars to come here and take my job. Like, okay. So how's that good for kids, right? And that's the whole thing is, well, you know, NIL is good for players and the transfer portal is good for players. Some, to degree, not most. Yeah. You're right. going to have a negative impact on more kids than you're going to help with the way these rules are set up. And that's what that's what happens in politics or government. It's what happens in NCAA. It's always the unintended con- people of unintended consequences that suffer. Right. It's like, well, we were just doing this to help kids. We didn't realize it was going to punish all these other kids. Well, yes, you if you didn't know, then you should step down from your position because you're not smart and co- or competent enough to have that job. That's the reality of it. Yeah. And so when I when I look at this, Ryan, NIL can can be a beautiful thing for this game. It can be a beautiful thing because, as I said before, if NIL existed in 2018, Justin Ross's career would pretty much still be over, but him and his family would be okay. 
because he'd have yeah. been able to benefit off his name, image, and likeness his first two years before the injuries. That's one of the many reasons that I support NIL. Many reasons. And also just because, you know, I'm not one of those pay players people. Uh, look, if you're going to start paying players and make them employees, then you have to understand there's consequences to being an employee. And that is if you don't, if you're not living up to the standard that I expect for you, I can fire you. Right? right. Okay. If you're okay with these kids getting fired, then that's okay. Right. You know, I mean, that that's, that's the reality of it. I, I'm perfectly fine, you know, with the NCAA, you know, is forced to, you know, is, is having certain programs they're running to say, Hey, look, if you're going to use a kid's name in a commercial, you should probably pay that kid a little something. I'm not saying give him a million dollars, but you know, what would you normally pay an actor to be in a commercial? Okay. That's what you should give those kids. Right. If they choose to be so like if, if, you know, DJ Uyunglele is in a Dr. Pepper commercial, which he was. Well, what do you normally pay actors to be in a Dr. Pepper commercial? That's what he should get, right? Sure. And and I'm all for that. I'm all for that. You know, and I've said this before, like jersey sales. So what you're seeing now is schools that don't want to give players jersey sales. They're just making the jersey whatever the year is. That's lame, right? What you should be doing jersey sales is saying, hey, we're going to take – 25% of all Jersey sales and we're going to put it into a, a, a fund. And when you graduate, as long as if, if you, when you graduate, as long as you're not picked in the first, I don't know, four rounds of the NFL draft, we're going to give you X number of dollars. It's our graduation gift to you for what you've done. Right. And because what does that do? It gives kids some money. It helps them kind of get off on their feet. And for these kids who, you know, maybe say it's, you know, we're going to use this thing. We're going to use sales of this to help, create a, a, a medical scholarship or medical fund for our players for five years after you finish your careers in certain sports, you know, football being one, maybe hockey, the sports that have more, you know, tend to have more physical toll on a body for the five years after playing, we'll use this to pay, help pay for any medical costs related to, you know, your injuries, right? So if you've got a documented injury that you sought help for or whatever, we're going to help you take care of that because, these kids who aren't going Notre Dame kids, it's not as tough on because they they got the Notre Dame degree. There's a lot of kids that are like, okay, well, you got done playing football at such and such school in the South and or whatever state school in the Midwest, and you know you got your general education degree and you didn't make it to the NFL. Now what are you gonna do? Right. Well, I, I still have a, a bum shoulder. Right. Well, they're not taking care of it anymore because I'm not part of the team anymore. I'm not on scholarship anymore. I'm graduated. And I've got all these costs that are related to me playing football there. And they're not doing a darn thing to help me. They gave me a crap education because they just wanted to use me for football. What are we doing here? Right. You know, it's, 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 we're not doing it right. And so those are things that should all be part of this whole package. If it's really about looking out for the kids, but just paying the best players millions of dollars to get them to come to school there should not be what this is about. It, it shouldn't, it shouldn't. Yeah. Now it's again, there was just no proactiveness to it. There was no because you you just put things in place without understanding what the repercussions were, and then you want to act shocked when things go sideways. It just it's just so nearsighted it, to me, you know. And I'm just now it makes me rethink everything that's happened. Like I mean, before I mean, you use Jameer Gibbs for an example, right? It's like we know that he's talking to schools, right, beforehand, before he answers the portal, obviously, or else he wouldn't make a decision quite that quick. 
But honestly, I think a, a naive person might think like, oh, well, you know, he he kind of knew he was going to the portal. Maybe he reached out to teams. Now I'm curious of what those bidding wars look like. I want a deeper dive and I want more understanding of what's been behind the curtains. Because we know a few things, obviously, because there's been players already that have come to the forefront and said, you know, I've been getting offered this, this, and this, but I didn't want this, this, and this type of conversation. But now it's just... Man, I, I I mean, again, I like the fact that you're trying to separate the boosters collectives that are doing it the wrong way from the institution, right? It, from the football program, I should say, to a degree. I like that that's what you're trying to do. And I don't think it's going to hurt, like you said, with the Brady Quinn, Tom Mendoza side of the things. They're still going to do their thing because they're not violating and doing it the and wrong they way. Made, and Brady made that very clear. The reason right. it took them four months to get this going was because they wanted to make sure that they studied the NCAA rules, looked at what this is going to be like, and make sure that they were staying within the NCAA guidelines for NIL. And, and that's why or, things like that are, are, are safe. This is about and – and I also like, Ryan, to your point, they were very clear this is about enticement. Right. This is about you, these boosters and, and collectives. They didn't say collectives and boosters need to be completely removed from college sports. No. That's silly. That's dumb. That's not going to happen. But we're going to try as best we can to remove it from using it as an enticement piece. Now, if it's enticing players because you look at Alabama and you're like, Bryce Young made a million dollars last year. I'm a five-star quarterback. I want to make a million dollars. I'm going to Alabama. Fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's kind of the real world. You know, like, hey, lawyers at this firm are making X amount of dollars. I'd like to make that much money. I'm going to take a job at that firm as opposed to this firm where you know I may make a little bit more early on, but the you know if I the the, the partners in that firm are making five hundred thousand dollars, the partners of this firm are making five million dollars. I'm going to go try to get it my fit in the door at that firm. That's the real world. There's nothing not wrong hand, with that. It's not a handout either. That is right. a recruiting because you still that have is to earn actual it. recruiting. Right. Pitch. You right. still exactly. have to. Earn. It's like Notre Dame using. Hey, look, kids that graduate from Notre Dame you know, tend to have their average job placement and, you know, X amount of salary and all this kind of stuff is that there's nothing wrong with that. Alabama using how much money their draft picks have made. That's a good recruiting tool. For sure. There's nothing wrong with that. And so, you know, that's where these things can help. I mean, that's where NIL can help. And, you know, you, hey, yeah, if, if the kid is willing to advertise for it or advertise what he's making, because I think some of that is we got to be careful letting everybody know that this 18 year old is not a millionaire. Right. Because, you know, there's all these hangers on. And that's another thing to this, too. The NCAA needs to really, 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 really step up. They need to allow the one thing I don't like about the NIL is that they're trying to remove the schools from it. I think that's a mistake. I think the school should be able to play some role. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. As long as it's a kid that's already there, there should be a a rule that that the institution can have to, number one, make sure kids aren't getting screwed over. Because you're getting these agents that are stepping up and working out these deals, and they don't have the kids. Some of them don't. You know this, Ryan. There's some agents most, that genuinely care about their about sure. their kid, the people. So a lot don't. It's mm-hmm. just you're a you're a paycheck to me. Sure. And so they don't care if they screw a kid over as long as they make their money, right? And the, you right. know, not that the schools do, but I'd make it to where schools cannot benefit in any way financially from deals that their players get. But we're going to help advise you. You know, we're we're going to create a, a thing. Schools can have a certain type of board that allows them to to have all their student athletes to help them find deals and help you know negotiate this kind of stuff. You've got lawyers that work for the school that are part of the school that 
aren't, you know, that are willing to, Hey, if these, if these boosters are willing to give millions of dollars to these kids, how about volunteering some of your time to help these kids? Right. So, you know, you, you could do things like that, Ryan, with the intent of being, we're going to look out for these kids. There needs to be, how many of these kids think they understand when I get a free car from the car dealership that I got to report that, that I have to understand what the tax value is of that car, that I'm going to be responsible for that come, you know, April 15th next year. How many kids do you think know that? I, would I say sure less, as heck less than one. That. I would say less than one percent. Would you have thought about that when you were a freshman in college? I wouldn't have. Hey, thanks, man. This is cool. It'd be like my right. dad give me a hundred bucks. I didn't have to declare that on my taxes when I was an eighteen-year-old, right? right? No, I didn't think I did. And and so that's again where these kids are going to start getting screwed. Is they're thinking, hey, I I made fifty thousand dollars. Okay, well, make sure you put like forty percent of that in an account somewhere that you hold until next April. Right. You know what I mean? And and you might want to save a little bit extra for that to pay for a, a someone to do your taxes next year. That should all be done at the school level. Notre Dame should have an organization, for example, that says, hey, look, you guys got to report to us what you're making. OK, we can advise you on how every school should be responsible for this. Every single school should have an department on campus that sits down with their student athletes and says, hey, listen, Here's the things you have to understand, right? And I'm sure some school, I hope some mark, schools are doing mark, this. Marketing and financial advisement, absolutely. Right, and look, here's more. how you got to handle this. You got to, you know, by this date, you need to make sure you let us know every single cent, every single benefit, every single thing that you earn. Because once you open up that door where you're starting getting these benefits in any kind of formal capacity, you are now liable for paying, being taxed on that, which is, uh, as I always said, is why I think the government wants this to happen anyway. Because the government wants to be able to kind of get their hands on, you know, this new this new tax base that they've created, you know, with these antitrust type of things. So, you know, to me, to me, you better make sure you're looking out because I can't I can't I'm going to be mad, but it's going to be a sort of an I told you so is the moment we're going to sit there and be like, so and so was fined X amount of dollars by the government or there's a warrant out for so and so's arrest because this high school, this college player you know, did not, uh, you know, did not go out and, you know, declare his taxes when the kid's like, I had no idea. You know what I mean? You know, it's, um, it's, it's the whole thing is just a, a hot mess. And, you know, there, there was no thought about this at the beginning. It's just, it's a, it's a shame. And they've kind of handcuffed the schools because schools are concerned about, well, I, I got to be careful what we say and do for these kids because we've been told we have to stay out of the process. And right. that's that's nonsense. So there's just so much wrong with this. So much wrong with this, Ryan. And mm-hmm. and those are the things that kind of bother me. And and you know, so at the end of the day, with this nil stuff, they have to put some razor sharp teeth to this to this stuff. Have or to, else, or else it's going to keep happening. It's going to keep yeah. happening. Now it's yeah. but but and this is ultimately, if you were to ask me to predict, when this comes back to the flat out my lack of faith in the NCAA doing the right thing. Right. I think this was nothing more than a saving face opportunity. That's all I think it is. And I hope they prove me wrong, but I, that's all I think it is, right? It's them saying, hey, we've heard you all. We've released guidelines. We gave a warning. We may do something about it. But if this doesn't come with also rules being passed to say, hey, he, we have a new system in place. That means new rules, which means new punishments. Here's what the punishments are. If you do this, I don't care if it's some booster that you had nothing to do with. That's up to you. USC, Lincoln Riley, 
then handle your business, handle your boosters. Go talk to your AD and your school president and make sure that they handle the boosters. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're not going to care if you directed it or not because you benefited from it. Mm-hmm. You know, so until until the, the, it has some teeth to it and there's actual enforcement, like it's almost like they need to pick a school that is not like because here's what the NCAA will do. What I'm going to say is they need to pick a school that's kind of their sorry, hate to do it to you, but you're going to you're going to be the the ones that you're going to be the sacrificial lamb. Okay? Mm-hmm. But they need but knowing the NCA, they'll do it to like Nevada, right? That's what they'll do. They'll go <laughs> hammer some deal at Nevada and put in crush Nevada. I'm not going to yeah. do anything to USC or Alabama, but the reality is is they need to go after somebody or two somebodies. One for high school and one for the transfer stuff. We're going to go after AM for what they did with the recruiting class last year. And we're going to go after, you know, USC for what they did or Alabama for what they did in, in the transfer portal mm-hmm. and, and put some teeth to it. And, and that's what they need to do and, and not do it to, like I said, not do it to some Nevada or, you know, in Illinois, you know what I mean? Or Ruck, we're going to hammer Rutgers, you know, it's like, Hey, leave Rutgers you know, out of this. But isn't that Just how they, isn't that how it goes for the NCAA, right? Like, Oh man, yep. you know, we can't, we can't let Mississippi state get away with this. You know what I mean? Like sure. Alabama can do it, but we can't let Mississippi state do it. Somebody needs to be the sacrificial lamb that they say, Oh wow. Okay. They're not playing around. Right. right. And, and that's the reality of it. So, well, it's, it's sort of like, and, and P, I think a couple people put it in the chat already. It's like SMU back in the day, right? The Pony Express. Right. It's like SMU was the only one doing that. It's just right. It, oh my, what SMU all of a sudden. Yeah, hold on. Right? You guys like, don't understand. Texas and Texas A&M are the only schools in this conference allowed to get away with that. What are you guys doing? Right. Exactly. You're, you're SMU. You're not allowed to cheat like those other schools are. What is wrong with you? Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's, and that's what SMU did. Now, SMU is also, just kind of flaunting it and they were just stupid about sure. it. Yeah. But I mean, you know, Eric Dickerson, I mean, we, we all know the Trans Am story, right? That's the only, like, that's the only car that was offered to him that whole cycle. Sure. That's the only sure, one. I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and it had, you know, the, the, you know, it's just, the whole thing is the Trans A&M like the, you know, they're the only thing that come on is, but you can't, you can't do it. Cause you're a, you're SMU. You can't, you can't do this. And so that's the end of the day is that's what they're going to need to do is they're going to have to, they're going to have to put some teeth to this and say, Hey, look guys, we don't want to, we don't want to be the bad guy, but stop being stupid, right? Just stop being stupid. And, you know, and and we won't have to, we won't have to do this. So somebody made like, I could see them going after like Jackson state, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like something like that. I could see them going after Dion instead of actually going after the people that are actually like really abusing these rules. Right. Do, you, do you actually you actually think that they're definitely going to do something like that though no. to a t- to an or oh, you don't actually no. think that I don't You're think they're going to do anything. Should. Gotcha. I think they're just I think they're just putting a statement out to make it seem like they've done something. That's what I think they're doing. If they do decide to enforce something, my fear is that they're going to pick some nobody. Right? And they're going to go hammer like I said, uh you know, Nevada, Rutgers, Jackson State, something absurd like that, as opposed to going after AM. I mean, it was so obvious that AM was buying players last year. You know, the, the Tennessee with Nico, they they that deal's out in the open. Like right. go after that, right? Sure. Go Especially after, after you just did the McDonald's thing right. a couple years ago, right? right. Like it's very right. obvious. Yeah. It, it, go after USC and what they've done with the transfer portal. Because they they're them and Alabama are the two most blatant cheaters out there. 
I get that they're afraid of the SEC, so they probably won't go after Bama. So then go after USC. I don't care. But you've got to go after somebody where it's like, ooh, did you guys see what they did to Texas A&M? Did you guys see what they did to USC? Did you guys see what they did to Tennessee? Ooh, you know. Well, well Alabama's going to self-report themselves at some Sure. Point, oh, right? yeah, so. totally, totally. <laughs> Totally. That was, Alabama's favorite, that was my favorite report. thing yeah. you read, by the way. That was my sure, favorite thing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, totally gonna self-report. It's just the stupidity. Because no, they're, they're gonna they're gonna throw their boosters and their collectives under the bus, right? And they're going to alienate the people that have the money in their sure. yeah, pay for all their stuff. Right, sure. Totally makes yeah. sense. Totally makes sense. It's the stupidest thing I'm but see again, it's stuff like that, Ryan, that makes me think the NSA actually has no interest in fixing this. But here's some other things. So the reality is. It's going to be hard to get NIL enticements out of recruiting. It's going to be harder to do that than it will be to get it out of the transfer portal. And and this is going to kind of be where I want to trans transition to fixing the transfer portal. Because if you fix the transfer portal, in my opinion, it's going to go a long way towards fixing a lot of these issues that that kind of pop up, right? It's going to go a long way towards fixing, you know getting rid of the situations with the kid that just, that just uh, went to USC, right? Jordan Addison. And, and and I think if we're able to address and fix the portal, then a lot of this really, really shady stuff, I think it's taken care of. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I really believe that if you fix the portal and make it, you know, and, and really do that right, that you don't have to worry as much about what's going on right now. And and so I want to address that. And you know, Ryan, I wrote a piece you know, last week that that I, I felt like there, there's a right way to 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 fix the transfer portal. And I think we need to first admit two things: the old transfer system was was crap, and the new transfer system is worse. <laughs> right? I mean, can we at least accept those terms? I agree. Sure. Okay. So then it's like, okay, how do we fix this? And so. Um, I was getting ready to hammer somebody for saying that Vince was better than Ryan. And then I realized you wrote it. Uh, totally, totally threw me off there. So I mean, sorry. I mean, I, I put the, I put the truth in the, in the universe, yeah. so it's fine. Yeah. So, so anyway, I want to get back to, to the transfer thing because I, I do feel like this is a way to do it. Number one, the first thing you do is the g- general rule is graduate transfers, Cannon should be allowed to transfer anywhere they want. No restrictions, no holdbacks. Okay. If you graduate from college, that is reward. I thought that was one of the few smart things the NCAA has done in the last five, 10 years is last 10 years is allowing graduates to transfer without punishment. If you're an undergraduate, I don't care how many courses you've taken, how close you are to graduating. If you're an undergraduate and you transfer, you have to sit out a year. If you bring back the sitting out of your, because you would say, well, no, 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 there needs to be freedom of movement. There is freedom of movement. You can transfer wherever the heck you want. Because here's what was stupid about the old system is the schools could kind of determine where the kids could go. You can't transfer to another SEC school. If you transfer to another Big Ten school, you got to sit out two years, right? I mean, hey, you can only look at these schools. We'll grant you the ability to go into the, you know, the transfer, but only if you, you know, you can't go to this school, this school, this school, this school, this school. That's stupid. Right. They, they they should be able to have freedom of movement, but you can't just move without having to sit out a year. I think I think sitting out a year is good for kids. I think at number one, it ensures that you're really making a smart decision and not an emotional one. 
I think it's good because anytime you transfer, it's going to put you in a situation where you're going to lose credits. I think the sit-out year allows you to kind of get yourself back in a good place academically. And we 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 need to try to somewhat get back to making this being about student athletes. I think there's a lot of positives to it. I think sitting out a year also eliminates the cheating aspects of it. Now, you're still going to have people that are going to cheat. They're going to take a freshman and say, hey, look, come here, sit out a year, and then you're ready to play for us as a junior. But there's going to be some kids that are going to be like, no, I'm good. I don't want to sit out a year. I, I, I'm going to stay here because I can be a high pick here in that situation. But here's what here's what you get rid of. You don't have Jordan Addison situations. If he has to sit out a year, he's not leaving. He's not going anywhere. He's either going to, A, try to stay and get his degree – you know, in, in a shorter period of time and then transfers a senior. But in his case, he's a true sophomore. Why the heck would he transfer somewhere? It'd be stupid for him to do that because he's got to sit out a year. So I think we need to bring that back out. And and so, and, and people say, you know, like uh, uh, there may be lawsuits or whatever. There aren't, look, playing, this is what we have to understand. Playing college football is a privilege. It's not a right. And I think what, and, and, and having to sit out a year is a completely different situation than saying, we aren't going to allow you to benefit off your name, image, and likeness. It's two completely different situations, right? Mm-hmm. It's like saying, well, you can't have rules on anything. You can't have rules on eligibility. Why can't I play college football for eight years? Right? Can't I play for nine years, right? There has to be some rules that you set for your for your institutions, right? And so, but again, a kid can transfer. If you don't think your NIL opportunities are being maximized at school A and you want to transfer school B, transfer school B. Just got to sit out a year. Because it's going to eliminate some of the stuff we're saying. Jameer Gibbs is not transferring to Alabama if he has to sit out a year. He's not. He's going to stay at Georgia Tech and have a great year at Georgia Tech and go out and put up big numbers and be as high of a pick next year as he would be here. Because who was the number one back drafted this past year? Wasn't an Alabama running back, correct, Ryan? Iowa State. Iowa State, yep. So, you know, that that's that's kind of the, the, the reality. of it. Now, again, transfers can play right away. Now, the, the other thing is part of the broken system was that kids were at times in situations where transferring is absolutely what they should have done. And I'm not somebody, you know, bearing on the depth chart. That I'm talking about I was promised this because this is why I transferred after my freshman year. I was promised this. I committed to you and signed with you because you promised me this. And you, when I got there, I realized you were just lying to me to get me there. And I think players need to be protected from that. So one of the things that I that I believe should happen is is that when you transfer, number one, if you graduate, you get that year back. It's like right now, if you redshirt as a freshman and then transfer, you and you have to sit out a year, you lose a year of eligibility because you've now had two sit out years, right? I don't I don't like that. If you graduate, you get that year back. So you still have your opportunity to play four years and it doesn't take away a second red shirt, right? I think you should get that year back. It should not be a, a, a thing where you lose eligibility because then it's like you're punishing a kid who does transfer and sit out a year because of something that may not have been his fault. I think the other thing too is NILs or NLIs, National Letters of Intent, need to be more formal contracts. And what that means is, is in that contract, there's going to be a page where you put every single promise you made to a kid during the recruiting process. If you're true to stick to that promise, you have to put that in the NLI contract, NIL, national letter of intent, different than NIL. You have to put that in your letter of intent. I'm going to put it that way, letter of intent, because that's going to get super confusing. You have to put that in your letter of intent. Hey, we're promised that you can wear jersey number three. You're going to start, you know, 
every game as a freshman, you're going to play minimum 20 snaps. You know, we're going to, you, you can, you can have whatever degree you want. We're going to let you live in this dorm. We're going to give you this meal plan, whatever promises you make to the kid, you need to put in writing because now if the kid knows, okay, you made me that promise and you're not willing to put it in writing, then I know you're not serious about that problem. And here's why you have that language in the contract. Because if you don't honor your end of the deal as an institution, that kid can transfer without punishment. So you you clean up some of this stuff, like put your money where your mouth is, right? If you promise a kid, this is what happened to me. I was prom. I went to a D3 school because I was promised I could play quarterback. I turned down opportunities from bigger schools. I was originally committed to a D school, D2 school and all that. But I wanted to play quarterback. D3 school promised me I could play quarterback. Practice five, I got moved to receiver. I started as a freshman and all that stuff. But it's like, you know, I can't trust you now. And I I transferred. Well, at the D3 level, I can transfer and and play. But at the Division I level, if I transfer, I have to sit out a year. And now I lose a year of eligibility and my career has been thrown off. Right. So give that back. Or say if a kid, if if you were made a promise and you didn't hold that school to it to the point where you put it in the contract, you can still transfer, but you got to sit out of here, you get the year back. But make them put that in the, the national letter of intent. We promise you you can wear this number, you can do this, that, or the other. And if they vi- and if you can prove that they violate that, because it's very clear to prove some of this in the contract, they said I could say this dorm, and it's not there. Right. And I got I didn't get there. They promised me I'd get this jersey number, I'd play this position, I'd start this many games. If a school's promising you that, then they need to put their money where their mouth is. And if they can't, then they should stop promising that stuff. I would love to clean that up. Yeah. Right. And and so that's something that I would uh, put in there as well. Right. Anything so far that you have an issue with so far in those two things. Well, no, I mean, no, I I love the idea of contracts and language and kind of understanding both sides. It's just that we know that people aren't honest. So but the point is, if it's in the point. contract now, yeah, it's got to be tangible things. It's not like you you promise sure. you won't yell at me. It's I'm gonna get a you know wear this jersey number. I'm gonna start this number of games and play this number of snaps. I'm going to have this dorm. I'm gonna have this meal plan. I'm, I mean all the promises that they make to kids, right? Put it in paper, put it in writing, because if they're not willing to put it in writing, then they're not going to give it to you. Right. And and so there you go. I think that's a way, that's a way that in my opinion, you have to, you have to do it. And so I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, somebody needs to get put in timeout. So Here's the other thing. I do think, and this is the hardest part to legislate, Ryan, and this is a conversation you and I have. I do think there needs to be a a small but very clearly defined set of exceptions, right? Like if I can prove that my mother is genuinely going through a medical crisis beyond she's, you know, something minor, she's having a root canal. Like like you that know? like that kid that transferred to Illinois right for the tight end yeah and, and then there was the thing, the right? center that went to uh, uh, NC uh, State yeah. yeah right oh, oh no transfer Virginia um, Tech yeah Hoffman uh, Hoffman transferred from right. Coastal to Virginia right Tech. Yeah. and that was a legitimate situation you know what I mean uh, Tro- Troy McIntosh says uh, Brian what about freedom to transfer your coaches I'm getting there I'm getting there Troy just patience patience my friend it's all building on top of each other okay. Uh, so there, it has to be very clearly defined. You, if, if this thing happens, if, if you, you know, if there's an academic thing and we, and you'd have to work out the specifics, I do think there needs to be some of that, right. Where there do need to be some exceptions to it. Right. I think that, uh, I think the next thing is, 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 um, 
there needs to be an ability for the school and the kid to agree to letting him out of his contract. So let's say a kid comes to your school and he's like, coach, this is what's going on. I'm this, I'm that I'm struggling. I'm this, I want to transfer. And if the if the school is, is, is like, you know what? We know the kid, we trust the kid. We know what he's going through. So like, for example, Notre Dame, Devin Upal signed with Notre Dame this past year, right? Went through spring, loved it at Notre Dame, and there was a legitimate, like a legitimate family situation that propped up, and he had to go back to UCLA. If he wanted to avoid the the, the process of going to the NCAA, he could sit down with his coach, hey, coach, listen, here's what's going on. Uh, you know, and, and, and they know the family. They know what's happening. They can then both agree to a contract that says, we allow, we're allowing him to transfer, and we are willing to waive his sit-out thing, right? Because sometimes I think this is good because you have a kid that's buried on your depth chart because part of the thing that I think should happen is all, all scholarships be, should be guaranteed four years, right? That should be a universal NCA rule. There should not be conferences going to pick which way. It should be a universal. If you sign a kid to a, to a contract, you have to own that for four years, right? But allow them to kind of let them out if there's a, if they, if they, because here's the thing, if I know I got this kid, he's my fourth quarterback and I know this kid's never going to play for me. And I know he could go somewhere else. And I would like to use that scholarship on a high school kid that's better. We can both agree that it's going to be best for us if you leave. There'd have to be some protections put in where schools can't coerce a kid to do that. It has to be initiated by the player. But I think some things like that, I'd be willing to have some conversations on Ryan uh, to be able to do that. Now, here is the big one. Coaches leaving. Right. So Troy asked about this. This was in my in my breakdown I put out last week, Troy. I'd encourage you to check that out. Part of my lack of sympathy is when coaches say, well, you know, we we coach these kids up. We recruit these kids. We coach them up. We do this. And then when they have success, they just leave us. Well, that's kind of what you do. Right. And and I would love to have a conversation about how the NCAA can mandate that that, you know, try to not limit the freedom of movement from coaches, but try to make it to where there's a little bit more sting if you just up and leave or if you fire a coach. Like, you know, now schools are just firing coaches willy-nilly. I, here's, the, here's the rules I would put in place, uh, Ryan, when it comes to transfers. I am I am not a fan of, you know, kids leaving because the assistant coach or the coordinators left. That's a right. natural part of it, especially when they leave for promotions. I'm not going to punish a school because you're a receivers coach. Like, for example, I'm not going to punish Notre Dame because Lance Taylor got went from running backs coach to offensive coordinator or John McNulty went from tight ends coach to court. That's what you should be doing. You're doing it right. You're helping your people get promotions, right? And I just don't feel like that that should influence a kid changing schools. I just don't, I don't, I don't think that's a reason for a kid to leave. However, because here's why the head coach is still the head coach. He Mm -hmm. dictates the, the, the direction of the program. However, there needs to be opportunities for kids to leave when coaches leave, whether they leave on their own or they're fired, because this is going to put a lot into a lot more sting into, Hey, you just want to fire a coach because he went eight and four and you're not happy with eight and four. Just so you know, there's going to be some teeth potential problems to this to make your job less you know, attractive. So here's what I believe should happen. If a coach leaves for his decision or another, two mm-hmm. things happen. Number one, there's a window uh, from when the, the, that guy leaves, there, I, you know, whether 30 days, 60 days, whatever the case may be, 
there's a window where players can't leave. They can't transfer out because I want to give the school the opportunity to sit down with the kids and share the vision for what they're going to do next. Allow them to have the first chance to recruit the kids to stay. Once that window's passed, another window needs to open up that allows those kids to go find other schools to transfer to. No sit out. If your head coach leaves by his choice or yours, there's an opportunity for kids to leave. Okay. I believe that if they don't transfer out during that window, then they've missed their opportunity. You've also given the schools a chance because you got to be careful a little bit, Ryan, because if a coach leaves you, it's like now we're being double punished because our kids are leaving, right? So you should give schools that window to convince kids to stay. Hey, look, we've got a vision. Here's what we're bringing in. Here's how we're going to involve you in the process of hiring the next coach. You can't leave because we need you to stay, right? And then give them a window to leave after that. Here's the other part of it. That school, that coach cannot cannot take a transfer. It, none of those kids can transfer to his school unless they sit out a year. So, like, if Lincoln Riley leaves, you know, Oklahoma to go to USC, none of the like, none of those kids, like, if and kids decide they want to transfer and not sit out a year, they have they can they're more than welcome to do that. There's 129 schools they can go to. There's one they can't, and it's where Lincoln Riley went. You can transfer there, but you got to sit out a year. So, hey, Caleb Williams, you want to go to USC? Cool. But you got to sit out a year, right? That's the reality of it. And so you do that, and I think that that's going to, you know, I think help clean up this process a little bit too because there do need to be some protections where, you know, these schools, especially head coaches now, you're just seeing guys leave more and more and more, and schools are just firing coaches in the middle of the year so they can go replace them with somebody else. That's fine. But just so you know, your job's not going to be nearly as attractive because if you fire this coach, and you could even say like if a, if a if a school fires a coach, then you can you know there is no there is no window to convince them. If you fire a coach, they can just leave whenever they want. the mm-hmm. the The window is more for the school protect the schools if a coach decides to leave. So if you want to have a situation where you fire school a coach and there is no window. I'd be open to that conversation, Ryan. I don't know what your thoughts yeah. are on that whole thing. Well, I, I had a question that is going to get a little specific and maybe it doesn't even actually matter, but so eight. All right. So let's use Lincoln Riley as the, as the example again here. Okay. So Caleb, so Lincoln Riley leaves Caleb Williams cannot transfer to USC because of that, obviously that relationship. Unless he wants to sit out a year. Right. Exactly. Unless he wants to sit out a year. So coach, the coach, the new coach comes in, Venables comes in and says, this is what I, my vision is. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll stay with you, coach. I'll see what's happening. After that year, he's like, okay, that just not a great fit. Like I had a solid year. Now I want to go back with coach Riley. Does he ha- now then have to sit out a year? Yeah, because the year? rule is the whole rule in general is you have to sit out a year. Okay. The transfer rules, you got to sit out a year. What I'm carving out is an exception to kids having to sit out if their coach leaves. Right. So the transfer rule is meant to so like so and maybe I wasn't clear about this. The kids that transfer out of a program when there's a coaching change don't have to sit out. That's the exception. And I don't think I said that clear enough. I don't think mm-hmm. I said it at all. It's one of the it's one of the one time exceptions to a kid leaving. Okay. So if you fire a coach and, and, and again, I'm, I'm open to the ideas we talk about this of making the rules different for when a coach leaves on his own or mm-hmm. when a coach is fired. Sure. Right. So if if Oklahoma would have fired Lincoln Riley and he goes to USC and Caleb wants to follow him, he can and not sit out. 
because you chose to fire that coach, right? right? You made the decision to fire coach. And, and, and again, the exceptions would also be like, if there's a, if a coach gets fired because you found out he's hooking up with an undergrad, you know what I mean? Like there's always, we're not exceptions. writing the language of the contract. There's always exceptions, but if you just fire a coach for performance and, and then kids can leave this, the, what I'm, what I'm, my, I'm more le- thinking about is when coaches leave for pay raises. Gotcha. I have no problem with it. Like I'm like, I was talking to a good friend of mine and he's like, they, he thinks they should cap salaries for coaches. And I don't agree with that because at the end of the day, kids are going to come and go. Right? right. Like the Duke program was good with Elton brand. It was good with Danny Ferry. It was good. in Christian Leitner. It was good. I mean, it's always been good because what's the one common denominator. Coach Mike King. Krzyzewski. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, 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 the coaches, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're the owner of a business. You're the one that built it. You're the one that sets the foundation. You're the one to grow. Yeah. You should probably make more money than the people, you know, that, that, that are working skilled labor, unskilled labor, whatever the case may be. I, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I hate rich people. I hate people that are having success in life. I hate entrepreneurs because they're successful and I'm poor. I hate that mentality. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem with coaches making money, but just so you know, there's going to be consequences to this. You can't recruit kids from your school because, most coaches don't, but Lincoln Riley raided Oklahoma, and it's disgusting. And they can all play right away. Hey, you can take, you can all follow Coach Riley to USC. You can all follow. He's got to sit out a year. Now, for Caleb Williams, that might have been worth it because he's not a year away from being draft eligible anyway. Right. He'd have to play two more years. He may say, you know what, sitting out a year and playing for Coach Riley for one year at USC is better than staying here for two years. He may right. decide that. Okay, fine. Jordan Addison it would not do that. Mario Williams may may do that because he's, again, a freshman. But a kid who's a ju- sophomore or junior, he's not going to do that because he's got to sit out a year, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a way to, to not allow those coaches in this in this era of one-time transfers to just take kids with them. I, so I mean, I mean, basically, I, I think that when you really just kind of unravel the whole like the whole thing you're kind of laying out, it's about proposing parity right because you don't Mm -hmm. want players to just come so not only does the coach the rich get richer they're also going to get even richer when their own players now come with them that is going to make that program stronger like you're not trying to just pillage i don't know if this is the right Right. word but like you're not trying to leave a a program in the worst possible situation Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Where a coach can leave on his own free will and then destroy the program he left that helped build him up by taking all of his best players. Right. Right. That's That shouldn't be allowed. Now, if you as the – basically, it's like I want to find punishment for the party that is the reason for the separation. 
right? So it's going to make you think really long and hard as a school about firing a coach for not for the cause only being he's not living up to the wins and losses and the boosters aren't happy, right? Like that's what I find disgusting. Like, you know, the boosters don't like Gene Chizik, so let's fire him, you know, two years after he wins a national championship, right? Like you probably could have found cause for Ed Orgeron because there was some crap happening at LSU. You probably could have got out of that one and been fine. You know, like if 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 Jack Swarbrick would have fired Brian Kelly after 2016, the only reason would have been he didn't win enough games, right? And so when that happens, just so you know, you know you, you're you're gonna your your kids can leave. I I'd still I'm still I'm still kind of somewhat sympathetic to the idea that I still would like a school to have a window if they fire a coach, because sometimes a coach needs to be fired. I mean, it, it, what I don't like is like what Florida did with Dan Mullen this year to me was, 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 a, was a joke, right? Like the guys had you in the SEC title game for two previous years. You had a bad year this year and you fire him, right? Like, okay, you don't like the guy or whatever. I mean, that's fine. But like, I don't like that, right? Now, a guy's like Ed Orgeron, I get that one because he was doing stuff beyond just not winning games. That was problematic, right? And so I just – there has to be some kind of room for interpretation or, or guidelines, but that's the general idea is creating freedom of movement, immediate freedom of movement. There's all, always freedom of movement. Do you have immediate freedom of movement or not? And so I think when it gets down to it, it's okay. What are the, what are the ways that we can allow the immediate freedom of movement that are justifiable that don't create this broken system that we have now? Cause again, Lincoln Riley can leave all he wants. You just can't take any players with you and have them play for you right away. He can't have all these USC kids go and play for him right away. Because look how many how many high school kids USC signed last year. It's like eight. People don't talk about this. There's a lot of high school kids that aren't getting the scholarships they would want because school. all these schools are now leaving open opportunities for portal kids. And so now you're not seeing as many kids getting some of the opportunities that they otherwise would get. And now there's all these kids jumping in the portal that I think I saw something like the NCAA had something like it's like 10 to 15% of kids that leave in all sports with a scholarship end up not finding a scholarship home. You say, well, 10 to 50%, that's small. But when we're talking about thousands of kids entering the portal, 5, that's a lot kids of kids. Or whatever, right. That's yeah, a yeah. lot of kids. And so, uh, yeah, it's a bad situation. And, and and so we need to fix the problem. We need to We need to make this a lot more... Again, we need to take the, the we need to take the good parts of the current system and the good parts of the old system and put them together and say there's a transfer portal process that works. Mm-hmm. But we've gotta we've gotta make sure that we're looking out for the young people in more than just football and sports wise, but then we're also looking out for institutions to a degree. Right. And if if you're if you're wanting if you're someone who likes parity, mm-hmm. and I like parity the right way, I don't want to manufacture parity. That's one sure. of the reasons I don't like the NFL, to be honest with you. I don't like watching a 9-7 and seven team go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a fun story, but it's not good football. I don't mind a dynasty like the Bills or the Cowboys, and they were a dynasty in the AFC. I don't mind dynasties because they're all playing by the same rules. Mm-hmm. I hate dynasties in Major League Baseball. I don't mind them in football because they're all playing by the same rules. Right. Right? And and I don't like parity that's manufactured. Hey, we're going to cap Alabama's ability to spend on their program. Well, you know what? Screw that. If Alabama wants to spend that much money on their program and you're not willing to do it, let's not punish Alabama. Let's punish Alabama because they're breaking rules. 
let's punish Alabama because they're cheating. Let's punish Alabama because they're poaching, you know, this kid or that kid or the other kid. Let's let's do that. Yeah. Right. I would say this too. You cannot transfer to uh, you cannot transfer and have immediate transfer to follow a position coach. You can follow a position coach, but you got to sit out a year. Right. That, that That's the whole thing. You got to sit out a year. But to me, parity should come from you're providing opportunities and protections for some of the smaller schools. So they can't be rated the way that it happens in Major League Baseball. Like that's yeah. what people say. Well, college football is becoming the NFL. No, it's becoming Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball sucks. I'm sorry. It sucks. And, you know, there, there's a reason it's not nearly as popular as it, as it was 20 years ago. And a big part of it is, is like, if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan like I am, you just know every year my I'm team has no shot, no shot to, to win a championship this year. None. And yeah. there's the occasional Florida Marlins or whatever, but you just know it's not going to happen. You right. know the World Series gonna winner is going to be the team that spent the most money. That's what college football is becoming. And it's always been that way to a degree. But Vanderbilt makes choices. Like, for example, Stanford. Stanford has a, a an endowment that's almost – three times as big as Notre Dame's Mm -hmm. if Stanford wanted to be good at football it could be they've choose not to right that's the reality of they chose not to invest in their program like Notre Dame does in theirs that's their choice but I'm not going to punish Notre Dame because they do spend more on their football program right that's that's my problem but we do need to protect schools like a Kentucky that can never match Alabama in in money in that regards from Alabama being able to take all their best players and play right away right. that we need to have protections for and so I think that would be something that says we we can create a system that works for kids we're giving them the year back right grad transfers can still go and play right away we're giving them the year back we're protecting them from broken promises we're, we have outs for them when we can prove a legitimate hardship you know, we have outs for them if a co- head coach leaves or gets fired or whatever. We're giving these kids opportunities. We're protecting them, but we're also protecting the game. We're protecting right. the integrity of the game. We as the grown-ups are showing kids that there are there is a right way and a wrong way of doing it. And just doing whatever it takes to win is not okay. Winning is important. Why do it if you're not going to care about winning? Why play sports if the score doesn't matter? That's that's the heart of sports. It's the competition. Sports is the competition. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's also needs to be a notion of, but you just can't do whatever. Take. I remember, and I learned this lesson as a kid. I, I mean, just little league baseball right after T-ball, you know, this coach calls my dad and he says, Hey, you know, Barry, I'd like for you to be a, an assistant coach on my baseball team. You know, mm-hmm. we'd love to have Brian on our team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So my dad's like, all right, cool. You know, I'll do that. So my dad shows up and this guy's got 15 assistant coaches. And it just so happens to be like the 15 best players in the league. My dad was like, no, uh-uh. Nope, not doing that. That's not what are you teaching kids at that age, Ryan? What are you telling yeah. a bunch of little leaguers? I'm have 15 assistant coaches whose all their kids happen to be the best players, and we're going to just dominate the league. What, what have you taught kids at that point in time? What have you taught them at that point in time? Nothing. Not a thing. So yeah. winning is not the end all be all. It's important. But if right. you're not winning with a right ethic, in my opinion, then you're teaching horrible habits. And we need to be better than that. College sports needs to be better than that. Can't well, eliminate I, cheating, but we can stop promoting it. And right now we're right. promoting it. Well, I, I think the biggest thing that I'm taking from a lot a lot of the things that you want to do, Brian, is I think it's I think people lose sight that just because players can make money off of their name, image, and likeness, 
that it somehow now morphs them into being a professional athlete. And that's not the case, right? These are still amateur athletes. 100%. They need to be protected still in a large – I mean, because if a kid gets a handout, let's say he gets $5 million in an NIL, NIL deal, right, from a, from a university to come you know, play for them, he has never had $5 million before. He doesn't understand how to use that money. He doesn't understand how to save that money. He doesn't understand about what's taxed. He doesn't understand all those things that you're I would not have about. just you know we're not saying well these young we I no, would not have nobody. known that when I was in when I was a freshman in college. I wouldn't have right. because they would teach the it in high school. Are. Because of the age they are, right? right? Like they, they don't have direct experience with it. Because I mean, not only are, are players getting taken advantage of in a lot of these instances, they also just do not have the understanding of how to manage these issues, right? And then you're gonna go to a team where promises are broken. We already talked about the con- contractual stuff around, you know, potentially coming to play for a university. So these players, again, we're losing sight of the fact that coming out of high school, these kids are 17 years old. These kids could still be 19 to 20 making these transfer decisions. It's stuff that they've never had to deal with, and it's something they haven't been educated about. And I am big on the fact of like, hey, how are we going to help these, these young men, these young athletes make better decisions? It's our education, man. Like, again, I keep coming back to financial and marketing understanding in the program. I think that, that need, there needs to be some type of advising. I think that there needs to be courses that are given to these players now more than ever on how to understand how to navigate things better and how to use their name, image, likeness to their advantage. If they have a better understanding, then there's less of an opportunity for them to be taken advantage right. of. So I am all for a lot of what you're saying because it's about maximizing and helping the student athletes right. who are not professionals. Yeah. And, and I think game. that's where people, because right. I think people honestly agree, think as soon as they get money in their pocket, oh, they're professionals. Let's be now. honest. A lot of fans treated these kids like they were professionals before they started making money. Just go look True. at how fans interact with these kids on social media. Most mm-hmm. fans are cool, but you get that small handful of really ignorant people that feel that they can just say whatever they want to kids on social media. And that's a whole different story for a different day. They're not professionals. They're students, especially at a place like Notre Dame. Like, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know that this kid got dumped a week before spring ball started and, and it really shook him because he's an immature 19-year-old kid that thought he'd found the love of his life, right? And I remember being like that. I remember getting my heart broken as a young person, right? Some of these kids, I got a sick mom, right? Look what Jamie on Franklin and Kurt Heinisch had to go through their, during their college careers with parents being you know sick and maybe thinking they may lose their parents and things like that. These are still kids in a lot of ways, right? Like I know they're legal adults, but they're still they're still young people and, and we're just throwing them to the wolves. I mean, professionals a lot of times end up losing all their money because they're not protected. But at that point in time, you're a professional, right? We're talking about 18. 19, and in like Romeo Aguara's situation, a 16-year-old when he showed up in Notre Dame. Like if we're not protecting them, what are we doing here? But also helping to promote them, Helping to teach them. That's why I say it's a one of the biggest issues I have with the NCAA. And the, the you know one of those. If I was the king of college sports for a day, I would get rid of this nonsense of student athletes have to take the same majors as other schools, and we are going to fight hard to make sure there aren't there aren't majors geared towards athletes. That's nonsense. Now, what they shouldn't have is fake classes like North Carolina did. But why can't there be a track for a student athlete to say, "Hey, you're here to play football." You're a five-star recruit. You've got an opportunity to go be successful in your life. So here's what your four-year course load is going to look like. Your freshman year, we're going to give you some stuff because we want you to be a well-rounded student, which 
the whole idea of, of gen ed classes drives me nuts, by the way. It's just another way to prolong a kid having to pay tuition to a school. Let's be honest about it. There's That's what high school is supposed to be about, right? But that's a different point for a different day. But beyond your first year of gen eds, this track is going to be geared towards your desire to be a professional athlete, right? You're telling me I can't have three years worth of business ethics classes that are going to look a lot like a, you know, a business major, but geared towards a kid who's actually is the client, right? Or the business. So we're going to teach you about entrepreneurship. We're going to teach you about taxes. We're going to teach you about marketing. We're going to teach you about all these different things that are going to help you be successful. Because here's the thing, my degree track at Notre Dame, and it would, you know, maybe for Notre Dame, it's in the Mendoza School of Business, right? It's under that umbrella, right? But we're carving out classes that are geared towards student athletes who, who are, who want to be professionals, either coaches or players or GMs or whatever, to where we're helping them to say, hey, part of your degree, because what is, what are you, what are you majoring in English for at Notre Dame? The goal is to take that degree and ideally use it to to be a professional, right? To do your career. So if you're at Notre Dame to be a quarterback and, and you're a five-star quarterback and your goal is to play in the NFL, isn't that your chosen profession? Why aren't we helping you be successful there? The football coaches can help you be successful from the athletic standpoint, but we're going to make sure that you take that, that take the money you're making now and the money you're going to make in college football and make sure that you're prepared as best as we can to protect you from the vultures that wait for you, right? Why is that not allowed in the NCAA? Right? Why are athletes somehow treated like second-class citizens who have to take these these majors? Like people say, well, you know, these these kids don't care about school. Yeah, because they're not allowed to major in things that actually are going to help them in their chosen profession, like a student who wants to be an engineer, Ken, or a doctor, whatever the case may be. Why are we fixing that? Right? Make them real courses. Make them go to class. Make them do all those things, but actually give them tracks that, as athletes are helping them be successful. And if you end up not being good enough to be a professional athlete, you learn some really important lessons. So imagine if, you know, you're, let's imagine if Brandon Wimbush would have gone through this track. He would have taken some things very similar to what he's doing now, but even more stuff that would have helped him to go be successful in this career in athletics where he's not a player. So there's just so many things that we should be doing if we really care about preparing young people to be successful in life and not just using them you know, to, to, to be, you know, uh, our talent for the, to the next four years or five years of the case may be. And so that's what I would like to see. Those are the things I like to see change. Those are a little different than the portal stuff, but to the heart of what you were saying, Ryan, is if we're, if we're actually doing what we're, what we should be doing, there's two priorities, protect the game and protect young people. Protecting young people doesn't mean, you know, protecting them and it's protection is also, I'm a big believer in this, right? Like I'm a Christian. I've talked about that before. You know, God doesn't say that he's going to protect us and not let anything bad happen to us. No, he says, I'm going to give you the armor of God, the breastplate and the, you know, all this other kind of stuff to protect you because the slings and arrows are going to come, but I'm going to make sure I build you up in a way to make sure you can handle them. And that's what protection is to me. It's not that you're going to, you know, keep all the bad people away for four years and then le release you to the world. No, protection is we're going to try the best we can to make this a, an environment where you can grow and flourish as a as a as a young man, a young woman. Because I think some of these things are, are, are principles shouldn't be for all sports. A young man, a young woman. We're going to we're going to not just protect you as best we can, but we're going to also teach you and give you the resources you need that once you leave here, you're ready to rock and roll. And we'll do things where we're going to connect you with this person and that person, the other things to try to help you be successful in life beyond your four year career. 
if more schools were forced to do things like that and were allowed to do things like that, it'd be phenomenal. It's like, and I think in basketball too, Ryan, if you're, if you're a, a guy, you know, you're Paolo, what's a Banchero, right? The kid who went to Duke. Why is that kid, if he's only going to be here for two semesters, why are, why is Duke not allowed to create a, a track for him where the 12 hours he's taking both semesters are geared towards business ethics, marketing, you know, all these type of things are going to actually, uh, Hey, he's only going to be here for two semesters, but we're going to do the best we can as an academic institution to make sure he is pre- as prepared as we possibly can make him to be able to take whatever financial success he's going to have and professional and be and and maximize it. Right. Why are we not doing even, that? even, even stuff as easy as like interview prep or like how, like, I mean, obviously, yes. you don't want to talk about agents too much, but like, I but mean, why I not? But that's part, that can be part. That can be a week. Questions. That can be a two-week section of your business ethics class. Let's bring questions. in some agents that we that we know that we think are doing this right. And say, hey, look, guys, here's the deal. I'm not soliciting it, and maybe find retired agents. So that way, there's no, you know, uh, yeah. conflict of interest, right? <laughs> You know, where like, I want to go teach that class at Alabama, you know, like bring in some side stuff, right? right, Bring in some retired people that have no connections and all that. Say, look, here's the reality. Here's, here's the questions to ask. You know, maybe if if, I wish some former agents would start an an agency that's geared towards helping these young people pick the right agents, right? I mean, I I, I put, I put on Twitter the other day, Brian, because this is on a similar vein. I would love a, a agent to do a podcast where he talks about the real life workings yes. of what he does and yes. kind of like yes. showing behind yes. the scenes, you know, because it's important. I think it's really important. Right. Hey, if you get told this, it's a lie. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is why, why is the NCAA and the schools not doing more of this? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I don't think they care about young people. I don't, I think they care about money. And if they're going to tell me they care about young people, then, then the steps we've laid out are and they, and they care about the game. Because that's the thing is, is we, we don't have, we have enough people. We have too many people that are looking out for their bottom line and not enough people looking out for the integrity of the game. And the reason that matters is, is because it's like with anything, we are, we are stewards of this game right now. You and I are in our role. Marcus Freeman is, is in his role. The Notre Dame players are in their role. The ADs, the president, we're all stewards of this great game. This game has allowed us to be able to sit here on a podcast instead of having real jobs, like, you know, real jobs, and, and make money and support my family because of the game that we're passionate about. I want to make sure that in 20 years, the next Brian Driscoll has a game that people care enough about where he can do that. And that's our response. And then Marcus Freeman needs to be doing the same thing. And, and Lincoln Riley needs to be doing the same thing. But Lincoln Riley doesn't care about that. Lincoln Riley cares about Lincoln Riley. And that's the problem. And until people step up and say, hey, look, this is a, this is a wonderful, beautiful game that has provided so many opportunities for young people to better their lives. We got to make sure we're protecting this game. If there aren't more leaders that are like that, then eventually it's going to become a semi-pro league. And somebody say, you know, make it that. And then, you know, this can be like D3. And, and, and I, I hate that idea because these opportunities, like the kids that, that play at Notre Dame don't just get opportunities because, because of, you know, to go play NFL, some of these kids are going to get opportunities at a law firm because, man, hey, you know what? You were a great quarterback, and we would love to have you. We think you're talented, but we also think that that recognition can help us. So, okay, great, great, that, fine. They're, they're still using their image and likeness to be successful in life, even if it's not on the football field. There's no problem with that. And if we remove college athletics from that and make it like D3, that doesn't better young people. It doesn't better young people at all. 
the system we have now has the opportunity to be great. As long as we can try as best we can to get the, the negative influences out of it and get it back to making the game great and to, and to pr- protect and promote young people. Mm-hmm. If we get back to doing that, then we can make this thing better than ever. And the real, the sad part is I don't see anyone in a position of leadership that actually has shown me they have the, the guts mm-hmm. to do that. And at the end of the day, the people that I believe could have the biggest influence on this, it's two sets of people. Number one, college presidents, who I think are some of the most cowardly, greedy group of people in this country. Mm-hmm. And number two, coaches. Right. If coaches aren't, the coaches who are doing it right aren't willing to stand up and say, this is wrong. What is happening is wrong. Let me tell you about what happened with my best receiver who just got poached by so-and-so, right? And promote that. Because you know what would happen if he did that? If 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 uh, St- Scott Satterfield like just ripped Alabama, ESPN would shred Scott Satterfield, not Alabama. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, but enough coaches do it, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, there's something this here. Is, yeah, <laughs> right. we yeah. can't ignore. I think this is what happened in the NCAA. It's like enough happened where they couldn't stay silent anymore. They were forced into action, and I think that's what because. If, if, if enough coaches raise a fuss about it, there's going to be, it just takes one journalist to say, you know what? I still have enough integrity in my job mm-hmm. to say, we're going to look into this and we're going to, we're going to do something and we're going to blow the roof off the whole thing. If, if that, if there was enough people that cared enough about that, then, then we could, we could take this game and make it so much greater and it be, and provide so many more opportunities for young people and, and coaches and all that. And, and we don't have to, Get rid of NIL. There's nothing wrong with NIL. Well, I was going to say, go ahead. I I was going to say not, not to, not to cut you off there, but I think NIL at its basis is fantastic for college sports. I think it really is. I mean, we've talked to before the implications that, I mean, one of the biggest issues I've had with college basketball with the one and done rule is that it's just water. It's like not a great product anymore, right? right? Like there's just not enough players that are staying. Same thing in the NFL. I mean, we've seen, a couple of years, there was like a hundred something players declaring early back to back years. And it's just like, it's watering down the, just the product overall. Right. right. And it's now making it more affordable and more attractive for players to go back to school and to improve the product. If it's done correctly, college sports should be thriving in yeah. these instances should absolutely be thriving. The problem is that there's no, that there's been an issue with how are we going to, how are we going to prioritize what is correct and how are we going to legislate certain things? Like there's just been a bad. And then when you combine the NIL side of things with the, 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 I don't want to say negatives, but like the things that we need to fix with also the fact that the portal comes into a play and they was kind of mix and they create some issues, right. Creates issues. That's where there needs to be proactiveness from the NCAA because they are missing their opportunity right now. They have an opportunity for college sports to flourish with NIL. It, they can. It can happen. But I think there's just some points that are just mi- being missed right now. They're missing the boat in certain instances. So, Ryan, I think uh, you kind of you kind of brought up an interesting point. I do I do believe that is where a, a, a more powerful commissioner is needed, even if it's not just a college football, but a, a, of the NCAA, and then maybe make like sub one powerful commissioner who whose schools grant more authority to, right? And then, you know, he appoints commissioners to the different sports. And their their job is to lobby for those sports as best they can to make sure that we're creating things we talk about. 
But if there was a more powerful person in place, I think one of the things that I would do, the first thing I would do is I would go to these professionals, especially basketball, for example. And I say, you need to, you need to change your rules. You need kids are more mature. They're more mentally mature. They're more physically mature. There's plenty of kids who are ready to play in the NBA. Now you need to adopt the major league baseball rule. And look, you can put these kids in the G league if you want, but allow these kids to go to the NBA right or NBA right away. If they choose not to, or they, or they don't like where they're drafted because in the NBA, it's easier to come back to school because the draft happens in the summer. It's during a downtime. If they choose to come back, or go to school, they can leave for three years, just like Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. right? Because why? LeBron James didn't need to go to college. Kobe Bryant didn't need to go to college. Kevin Garnett didn't need to go to college for, for their game. I mean, there's other benefits to college, but, you know, if you if the NBA did more to kind of do, you know, protect, whatever, that's a different story for a different day. But if you go back, to, if you go to college, you got to stay there for three years. I mean, that's a good thing. And then there's other things you could change and, you know, all different aspects of it. And, you know, but look, the, the people need to understand something, though, real quick as we as we wrap this up. The the NCAA doesn't determine the eligibility rules for the NBA. Like the NCAA can't say if you come to college, you got to stay three years. If the NBA says, I don't care about that. You can't force kids to stay in your college. The only reason kids go to college for a year is because the NBA won't let them come out as high school kids. It's the only reason. The NCAA sets those standards. The reason that college football players have to stay in college for three years has nothing to do with the NCAA. Nothing. It's the NFL sets that rule. Mm -hmm. And so we need, we need to understand that as we, as we kind of talk, because I've heard people say like, you know, the NCAA needs to to change this, you know, let more kids go to the NFL. I'm like, yeah, the NCAA doesn't even do with that. Nothing. It's not an NCAA decision. That's a, that's a, that's a a college football. That's an, that's a professional sports decision. Um, you know, so anyway, sorry. So Ryan, anything else to add to this, uh, this conversation? Oh, but th- that's the thing is I, I do, I do think there needs to be, a, a, a coaches and, and players that don't think this is right. Stop hiding behind what may happen to you. Stand up. Right. If you, it's, it's, it's time in our country. And this is, and this isn't about right, left. This is about just this being the United States of America. If you don't think something is right, stand up and say it. Stop being afraid of whatever consequences may come your way. Stand up and say it. Because at the end of the day, you're going to be remembered by your character much more so than by, hey, but I was a really good this, that, or the other thing. Right? Right. Um, You know, anybody, you know what most people think of the, the, the art selector, right? Most people don't remember. He was a really good quarterback in college. They think this is a guy that spent time in prison and did this, 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 and this, right? So at the end of the day. I talked about him on a podcast yesterday. That's really funny. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, but you look at, you know, a lot of times you're going to be judged by what you did on your worst day. Alan Iverson for all these years, no matter what he does, he's always going to be remembered for the bar fight that, you know, the bowling alley fight that got him, you know, in trouble. And and going bankrupt. Right. Talk about the fact that he was a great player, but right. And it's, so at the end of the day, it's, it's, you're going to be remembered by your character anyway. So why don't you take as much pride in that as you do your game? And, and, and I think if more coaches were willing to stand up and do that, if more players were willing to stand up and do that, then I think things would start to change. And mm-hmm. that's what we need. We need more people willing to stand up and say enough is enough, you know? So 
Well, and I, I appreciate yeah. this conversation because I think that the only way for things to change is for those conversations to be open and happen, right? Like that, right. you're talking about people wanting to advocate for change. I feel like some people are just like, just so afraid to like have the conversation, you know, like ha- have the conversation. There are things that can happen here. There are, there's power with, with conversation. So, yeah. All right. Do we have any questions, Ryan? I, I know a lot of comments and feedback, but I'm not sure if we got a whole I, lot of questions. I started two questions. Okay. Should we go and bring those up before we before we get out of here? Yep. Yeah. So we have John Bingham who said, from what you've heard, do schools themselves have involvement in these schemes or is it typically the collectives on their own that are doing them? I think that's just the act of the NIL yeah. conversation. Yeah, the collectives and all that. Yep. I think anyone that is saying that the coaches in the schools have nothing to do with these at all are lying to themselves. The the the, co- the coaches in the schools are not supposed to have any involvement in this, but come on. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't think if if the if Lincoln Riley or Marcus Freeman or somebody else found out that a collective was offering money to the fourth quarterback on their board, they wouldn't say, "Hey guys, you <laughs> We're not recruiting that guy. We're recruiting this guy or whatever. You know, of course they have some involvement in that. Now, they're not involved in the fundraising and those type of things, but you know they're involved. You absolutely know they're involved. They're not just they're not just randomly, hey, you know what? Let's randomly reach out to Jordan Addison, some random wide receiver, because <laughs> I don't know if Lincoln Riley or would want him or not, but let's go ahead and reach out to him. I'm not that stupid. I'm not that naive. And it and, and I just don't think anyone else should be that naive either. And so, Jordan, I think it's a great question. Or, John, I think that's a great question. Uh, they're not supposed to be involved at all, but they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. they are. I mean, how else did did the boosters at Alabama know that Jameer Gibbs is the guy that Nick Saban would want running back? Exactly. exactly. Come on. And are they that great talent evaluators? Like, really? Right. Come on. I'm supposed I'm supposed to believe that Nick's and I'm just using Nick Saban because that's the one that you just used, right? I'm, I'm supposed to believe that Nick Saban doesn't talk to the boosters. Right. right, like I'm, I'm supposed to right. believe that. And again, is it Nick Saban saying, "Hey guys, I would really like Jameer Gibbs"? He's not that stupid, right? Like, let's right, not right. let's not be children here, right? Like, it's like you know, man, I tell you what, just random conversation. I was watching some Georgia Tech film the other day, but that boy Jameer Gibbs, a heck of a football player. I right? wish we had a back like that. And then <laughs> there you go. I didn't yeah. tell. I just commented that I thought Jameer Gibbs is a great player. I didn't. Come on, we're not stupid. You know what right. I mean? Like, come on. Let's, let's be yeah. let's be grownups here. I'm not saying this to John. I think John's question is great. I just no, it's a great so question. I, I see a lot of that in Twitter. Like, well, you know, Lincoln Riley didn't know that this was happening. Come on, don't be that stupid, <laughs> right? Like, I know yeah. it's your team, but here's here's you know what I wish we would all do. I wish we would all have like a standard that we hold things to. Even if our team does it, we're still going to say no. That's bullcrap, right? right? Because like, if Oregon was doing what USC was doing, USC fans, as I said, the other day, all 75 of the passionate USC fans that they have. Right. <laughs> don't just care about USC when they're good. They would all be raising heck about what's going on. Right. At, 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 at uh, Oregon, if Auburn or Georgia was blatantly doing what Alabama's doing right now, Alabama fans would be losing their minds. How did, how did, how did uh, Kirby smart get Jameer Gibbs and, you know, Tyler Harrell and all these transfers, like there's gotta be something going on. But when it's your school, it's like, no, I mean, they just want to come play for a great program. And that's, that's just, you know, I mean, do with it. Our coach didn't say anything. Our, our, that's why nothing changes, because we're always pointing the finger at somebody else's team, but we're not willing to hold our own feet, people's feet to the fire. Right. And you know, that's the that's the role that fans have, because hey, there's a whole lot more fans than there are players and coaches. And and you know, we've had people say, well, you know, 
I don't want to stop watching the game. Is there anything I can do besides stop watching? I'm like, no, no, there's not. Because at the end of the day, when you watch, when you go, when you attend, they're going to make their money and that's all they care about. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's not until they start losing the money that, that, that they that you're fueled on that they start making changes. It's the bottom line. Right. right. And yep. so if, if enough fans kind of now there are things you can do if, if enough fans kind of said enough of this stuff, then things would change. But that's where but we've got to be able to hold our own programs to the fire for nobody cares what an Ohio State fan thinks about what Michigan's doing or Notre Dame fans think about what USC's doing. Mm-hmm. Right. It, yep. That's the reality of it. Got a couple more here, I see. Yep. Uh, going to D-Rock. Question, if an athlete gets an NIL deal, should he or she get scholarship dollars for room, board, and tuition as well? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I am here's, – here's the thing. The only way that I'm a fan of getting rid of tuition – because, again, we're punishing kids for being really good at their sport in that instance. Hey, you're a great football player, and that great talent that you've brought to our institution that's making us money, lots and lots and lots and lots of money, has resulted in you making NIL deals. So that's not fair. You got to pay your own tuition. That that I don't like that at all. The only way that I would support that is if all these idiots that want, now I'm not talking about people in the chat, but like all these lawyers and all these people that want to make these kids employees, mm-hmm. minute they become employees. Fine, pay them whatever you want to pay them, but there's no more scholarships. They got to pay for their own room and board, their own tuition, their own equipment, their own things like D3 players do, right? You want to make them employees, then that's that's part of the deal, right? I mean, that's fine. But, you know, because schools, if employees of schools are then paying their salaries, right? No. I mean, I don't pay Ryan's rent. I pay Ryan a salary and Ryan can do with that however the heck he wants, right? And And so... That's the reality of it. But when it comes to NIL, I'm not I'm not going to punish kids for being really good at a sport that we love that brings fame and attention to them and their program, and that results in them making money. I'm not one of those people that's jealous of that. I I, I love that, right? I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. So I would still, yes, I would still allow them to be part of it. They earn that scholarship by what they did as high school players or mm-hmm. transfers. They shouldn't be punished because their success has also garnered them additional revenue. Yeah. I just, I don't believe in that. I don't believe that's that. That's fair. I think, I, I think to... it's a fair question. I mean, a lot of people bring it up. It is a fair question. I just, yeah. I view that as a punishment when a kid hasn't done anything wrong. Sure. Right. He, he's done nothing but be successful and he's being rewarded for it. It's like, you know, if, if you're, if you do, if I have success, you know, well, I guess it's a bad example for me, because, but if, if you have success, Ryan, Mm-hmm. And and that success results in, you know, you having these opportunities. It's like you shouldn't get punished for that. That should be a reward, right? Well, you've had too much success. So let's, you know, your 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 mortgage company say, hey, Ryan, you're making too much money. So we're gonna we're gonna double your mortgage payment, punish you for making more money. Like I, I'm not a believer in that, right? Don't wish that upon me, sir. Yeah, and hey, you are in New Jersey. That is actually a possibility. <laughs> so I, I should probably not, you know, put that evil on me. That's my bad. That's my bad. All right. So uh, last couple, Irish 0687, Kelly is singing boosters with his dance moves. That's wonderful. Apparently they didn't get the message because the kid that he first grinded upon ended up not even signing with them. USMA, NIL penalty, lose TV revenue for two years. I would be, even if you just did it for one year. Yeah. I mean, you're going to punish these teams. But yes, for two years, yeah. 
I wanted to yeah. I wanted to start that one because I thought that was really interesting. I hadn't that, thought about that. That, that was, was fair. Yeah, like because we've talked about make it a financial penalty that has some teeth, and it can't just right. be the financial penalty. Because here's the reality of it: if 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 the TV revenue is all you lose, but you win a title, those boosters are going to be more than happy to give that much money back to you to to make up for it. Right? It's got to come with that. And I love this idea. It's got to come with that as as well as loss of scholarships, loss of access to the transfer portal. It's got to come with both of them, all of that. It's got that's what teeth is like. Just taking one thing or the other thing or another thing out doesn't do anything. If you just remove access to the portal and that's all you do, it's worth it to me. It's worth it to me to go out there and get Caleb Williams because I think he's going to help me win a title. And if that's my only consequence, so what? I'll just recruit high school kids, and we're going to get those high school kids even more successfully because we just won a title with this kid I just cheated and got, right? But if it's also, a, you know, of course, for some teams, that stings a lot more than others. It doesn't hurt an ACC or Pac-12 team nearly quite as much. Well, it does because they don't have as much. Uh, they don't spend, you know, have the, the budgets. But, you know, I mean, it's a $50 million fine for a Big Ten school for a year and for an, S- an SEC school. But it's got to come with scholarships and losing access to the port and all that kind of stuff. You do that, all of a sudden, it's going to have an impact. So, Ryan, are we ready to ready to climb out of here? All right, let's get out of here. So, great, great yeah. stuff. Mace AK always says it the best. The easy thing you can do, folks, join the message board. You can find it at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Smash the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast and leave a five-star review. And as always, go Irish, thanks everybody for joining us today for the latest edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We will see you again tomorrow. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 